0: Hi Janina, hi Emma, welcome back to History is Sexy, it's History is Sexy. Yeah, we should start getting into the
1: habit of explaining ourselves now since we never actually remember to do that. That's true. So I'm Dr. Emma Southern and I'm a historian. And I am Janina Matheson and I'm not. That's cool. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and we're here because History is Sexy. Yeah, it is. Even when it's not
0: aggressively embellished for the movies. It's true. It did occur to me, um, as I was walking home from work today, that this will, this episode is pretty much the anti-sexy, though. In fact, it is explicitly, and as far as all of the people that we're going to be talking about, ideally, the opposite of sexy.
1: I mean, if you like, want us to painful, sex it up, a bit, we could get into, like, New Age Christianity and joy of sex, kind of, like, you know, sex is an act of worship
0: Christianity. <laughs> we could... We, there were some early Christian like sects that were called out for heresy that kind of believed that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and they weren't and allowed back the, until the 1970s. Yeah, they thought that, like, that God gave you bodies and bodies were what made humans special, so mm. you should enjoy them as much as possible and eat and fuck as much as you like. And they didn't really last because, weirdly, that was sort of considerably less popular than people saying actually bodies are terrible <laughs> and that's what sets us apart from the angels and you should be you deeply should,
1: ashamed of everything you should about be them.
0: ashamed and sad and ideally you should be punishing your body every minute of every day oh, really? with hair but shirts my
1: high school teacher is showing us this flow chat it's a joke flow chat loosely based on ideas <laughs> about sex from sort of i guess early modern england Tudorish, or maybe more i don't know the past um, <laughs> the past and it was a flow chart it's all the same to you how to figure out whether or not you are allowed to have sex okay and it was beautiful uh, beautiful thing
0: is this the one that's like is it a holy day no is yes. it easter no is it and eventually it comes out to like three days a year when you're allowed to have sex yeah
1: but you're not allowed to enjoy it
0: you're and never it should be allowed functional to enjoy it.
1: and over with as quickly as possible
0: Yes, if you enjoy it, then you are certainly doing something wrong and you should probably be, you'll be flung into the pits of hell.
1: Yeah, you definitely need to go to confession and talk about it for at least three hours and then say a
0: million, you know, yes. what do they call them? In, Hail Marys? In, yeah. Hail Marys. In my PhD, actually, I did a lot of stuff on when you're allowed to have sex and what happens if you have sex in the wrong time and what happens is you get disabled babies.
1: Oh, sure. Sure. Right. So
0: they thought that if you had a child with a disability then that was your punishment for God from God for having a having sex on the wrong day sure. which is horrendous. That's,
1: I mean it's not surprising though, is it? When you put it in line with other things that have been said in the name of religion over the years. It's not yeah. it's not so out
0: there it's true i mean it's not it's not the top worst but it's not great
1: hmm.
0: we should say actually what our question is why we're talking about anti-death. we should say um, what our question is <laughs> <laughs> our question is from sir james Alot on twitter and it is why was christianity eventually adopted over say some north african religion or even judaism so it's basically why did christianity win
1: yeah I think Which also eventually before, did. before we get into it we should note Christianity is also a North African religion Ethiopia has it one of the, was one of the first places to establish Christianity as a state religion
0: and indeed the places where you see Christianity be the strongest and I mean like it's very very it's the kind of thing that you talk about a lot in scholarly circles but doesn't really get talked about in popular circles is that it's in the middle east and in the in like mesopotamia and syria and Mm -hmm. north africa and that christianity is its strongest yeah
1: in fact the the view that christianity is super white and western is kind of buck wild
0: (laughs) yeah because it really wasn't adopted properly in the west until like like properly, properly until like the fourth or fifth century, which is pretty late. Whereas in the Middle East and North Africa, like bits of North Africa anyway, they were well into it. Mm. Other bits of it, like the bits that the Vandals invaded, were Aryan for a really long time, and some people don't really consider that to be Christianity. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so yeah, so today we're going to be talking about why did Christianity win to a large extent? Yeah, first it's an off, we have to get Christian
1: because when you look at it superficially. You get a lot of sites that are like super Christian. And I got, I have uh, heard people say this in church services. I grew up in the church and that's like it won because God, because God did it because of that. And I remember uh, the pastor at my family church going on about a particular, being very, very excited about particularly old, like someone had discovered a really old Bible that was like hundreds of years older than the oldest one we had until that (laughs) point and he got very excited about how little the text had changed in all that time and how accurate it still was and took that as proof (laughs) of like the bible being god's holy word and like i'm not you know the bible might be that's fine but um i'm also like yeah but like there is a tradition amongst religious orders are being really fucking good at keeping hold of books and like copying them out accurately. It's kinda it's what they was one of their main things for
0: a long time. Yeah. It's true. And I don't know, text didn't change that much. He is fairly right about that. But that's because after about the third century everything was pretty locked down. Yeah.
1: Um, But I think he meant more in like a Chinese whispers way than a deliberate changes kind of way.
0: One of the podcast that i love at the moment actually which i think i might have told you about several times already is apocrypals you have told me about it and i have not yet listened it's so good but they're going through all of the books of the bible and they talk a lot about textual transmission Mm -hmm. and how the gospels and the books of the like new testament particularly are put together and where they've all come from and all of the different theories about who was copying off of who But yeah, it's good stuff. I totally recommend it. Um, That's made it sound unsexy, but it is very funny.
1: The other sort of thing you get when you superficially search for answers to this particular question is a lot of super atheist
0: sites that are like sociology. That's why. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. But the thing is that when you come at it from that perspective, there tends to be a lot of people going, oh, well... The Roman Empire was like spiritually devoid and people were looking for a spiritual hole to fill. And you're like, "Mm, were they there or are you just making stuff up? There's a God-shaped hole in all of us, (laughs) even. Well, that's what they think. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to comment on that. (laughs) Okay, so it is a North African religion, but we also have to say, why not Judaism? Like, why doesn't Judaism get as popular? And the reason Mm -hmm. that Judaism doesn't get as popular, quite simply because Judaism does not want you. Judaism says that Jews are the God's chosen people and you can't just become one of God's chosen people like as easily as you can become a Christian. You can become a Christian by going, oh, I'm a Christian now and going yeah. to church a bit. <laughs> Whereas being... I do takes a lot of effort and a lot of work and you have to ask a lot and you have to change your life a lot. And Judaism is not particularly interested in fair weather friends. <laughs> so and after about 60-ish AD, I mean even before that to a certain extent, being Jewish in the Roman Empire totally sucked. Because you were, I mean, you were a separate community anyway, by choice, but also they were taxed very heavily after 70 and the destruction of the second temple. Um, and that tax was a punishment and a humiliation, deliberately a punishment and a humiliation because it was the money that they would have originally paid as a tax in Jerusalem that, or jews in jerusalem would have originally paid to keep up the maintenance of the temple Mm -hmm. was then applied to all jews and specifically went into maintaining the temple of capitoline jupiter as a specific punishment and humiliation (laughs) to the jews for rebelling against the romans and that was enforced very very strongly and there's a I say really good, there's a really kind of harrowing bit, but really personal bit from Suetonius where he talks about as a young, as a boy seeing a man who was trying to get out of paying the tax, being taken into court and basically stripped naked in court um, so they could see whether he was circumcised or not. There's a 90-year-old man. Jeez. And... It's not like we talked a a few episodes ago about that the Romans are kind of nude all the time, but you're a nude in specific contexts, and Mm -hmm. being like stripped naked is obviously pretty horrific. Yeah. And so, yeah, it kind of wasn't encouraged from either side, basically. Mm -hmm. Like the Jews were seen as kind of weird in their exclusivity and they did not in any respect want you to join them. (laughs) Yeah. Which is really what Christianity has over every other religion and the reason that it won very very simply is that they wanted everyone to join them yeah and they went out and evangelized and told people about christianity loads and loads and loads and then they desperately tried to encourage people by any means necessary to join them Yeah, and like in a really passionate way because it's the
1: fundamental part of the religion like that's that's biblical that's jesus saying take my the word of take the good news to the ends of the earth and then paul yeah. saying over and over again the jews have to get this down and then we take it to the gentiles like yeah exactly that line that first for the jew then for the gentile is repeated like 15 million times uh, by paul <laughs> because it is that was their their mission wasn't just living Christian lives themselves at all. It was...
0: No, the missionary nature of Christianity is fundamental from the Gospels and also and from the moment that Paul converts, basically. Paul has his Damascene moment. Mm-hmm. He has his... So for those of you who don't know about Paul, Paul was a Pharisee, a, a Jewish kind of legal scholar, basically, who was... Very fundamentalist. Sort of yeah, very of fundamentalist Jewish, and he was actively working against Jesus. <laughs> yeah, he uh, watched a, at least a couple of his disciples be crucified. Um, mm-hmm. And funny. then he was traveling on the road to Damascus, and he was hit with a vision of Christ. Oh, oh shit. shit. This is after Christ had been crucified, obviously. He was hit by a vision um and converted in that moment and became turned all of his crusading spirit because he had one hell of a crusading (laughs) like nothing that paul ever did did he do with half a heart like if he was going to do something he was going to fucking go for it so he persecuted
1: christ and his disciples with all he had until the moment that he stopped and then he started uh preaching the gospel took him a took him a bit of work trying to convince the remaining disciples that he was to be trusted. That he wasn't trying
0: to fuck with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had killed quite a lot of their friends. He really uh, had. And he... And I don't imagine, that, like... So we have the Pauline letters. Which make up most of the New Testament. Yeah. Three of which are called the Deutero-Pauline letters because they weren't actually written by him, but the rest of them were. And they... It does not come across as the kind of guy that you'd want to hang out with,
1: to be perfectly He honest. says some weird, fucked up things. And some, sometimes I just want
0: to sit him down and be like, Paul, really, though? Take a valium, love. Sure. Uh, <laughs> because, yeah, where he just goes into everything with this, like, fiery passion that yeah. is like, no, I knew Christ. No, you didn't. And this is how you need to be doing it. This is what you need to be doing. It needs to be like this and do this and do this and everybody get behind me. Everything's going to be great. Oh my God. Stop doing that immediately. And, and yeah, he's just super he intense like, and angry.
1: Yeah, a lot of voices. he does say some things that are like interesting and, and positive and then he's like, it's very it's very much better to never get married. No one should get married. <laughs> you should devote yourselves <laughs> entirely to God, which is where I guess we get the celibate priesthood in Catholicism. Yeah. Yeah, it, he sees some good stuff, but a lot of kind of shit stuff also.
0: Yeah, he does. Well, this is one of the reasons that the deutero-Pauline letters are considered to be... Deutero means second, are considered to be not Paul, because <laughs> all of the actual Pauline letters are like, don't get married, don't fuck, don't even look at a girl, stop that, give away all of your stuff, and... Like a pretty mm-hmm. <laughs> clear that you shouldn't, and then the Deuteropauline letters, like, so you want to get married? <laughs> Here is how <laughs> you do that. <laughs> and there are other things like they obviously have a completely different writing style. Mm. But Paul is like, don't get married. Stop it immediately. The what you know, the man is the head of the woman, like the God is the head of the church. Da, da, da. And then the Pauline letters, like well, maybe it's better to get married than it is to burn in hell. Um, you're like, <laughs> that's not something that Paul would say. He would say, just fucking hold it in.
1: Yeah, or just don't feel it. Feel yeah, still. just, st- if you're just stop it. If you're devoting yourself to God as you should be, then you won't feel it, so.
0: Yeah which yeah so he was i don't know Paul so there's a new biography of Paul which has just come out which I'm waiting for the paperback of because the hardback is the size of like three house bricks mm-hmm. which looks really interesting more than anyone else really Paul created christianity yeah. uh, as as a thing as an organized that, cohesive yeah, with itself thing that has like clear rules or the rules that are clearer because Paul is obviously before the gospels were written and when there was a lot of kind of it was all more much more oral and word of mouth yeah. um and letter writing than it was the gospels the gospels don't come around until about 60 70 mm-hmm. AD um and there's a whole bunch of other ones before they got kind of whittled down to the four that we've got yeah
1: so if, uh, just in case anyone doesn't know a lot of the new testament is Paul vis- has visited places and converted a bunch of people and then gone on his travels to convert more people. And he writes to the communities he's established. In those yeah, places.
0: mostly to tell them to stop doing whatever yeah. it is that they're doing right now so um, Romans and so is him he, writing to Rome and Corinthians is him yeah. writing to Corinth and- which he has to do a few times because the Corinthians can't be trusted to <laughs> do anything at all <laughs> and yeah and quite a lot of the letters are him very clearly laying out and saying look this is what I said when I was there you are doing this weirdly now I've heard that you're having a fight about this or uh, this is you know this is what you should be doing yeah. can you stop that Yeah, and then then you've got the four Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, which are quite good reads, to be honest. None of them are very long. Yeah. And it is, I Um, mean, it's a rip-roaring story. It is. And they've all got quite, like, good different stories. Yeah. Like, one of them's got loads of wizards in, which is great. (laughs) I think that's either Matthew or Mark, I can't remember off the top of my head. One of them lets a woman speak, that's great. One of them lets a woman speak... The, the wizards are the best bit, yeah, to be perfectly honest. There's, like, awesome. significantly more raising from the dead than you expect. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not just the, the one. A lot of letting someone die just so he could be raised from the dead. There is that, yep. There's also my personal favourite, which is when Jesus gets really annoyed at a fig tree because it's not in season <laughs> and then he curses
1: it. <laughs> I love that story Just really angry. It's green. like, if, if, like, I, I don't know... Uh, I don't want to make any assumptions about what anyone believes, but like it kind of epitomizes the idea that Jesus wasn't just like God in human form; he was God made human, and uh, with everything that entails, like getting so angry about a tree not giving you any fruit that you curse it for the
0: rest of its life. Which is exactly what an Old Testament God would do. Yeah, like, like there's a bit in the Old Testament um, in one of the historical books where a father and son bring god the wrong kind of incense mm-hmm. and so he just opens up the ground and swallows them and like fuck you <laughs> uh-huh. it's great mm-hmm. um and he's always giving people leprosy like when moses pisses him off he's always giving aaron who's moses's brother leprosy because he likes moses too much to hurt him so he just curses the aaron instead <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is really funny Okay, this is another thing I'm going to say is that there was never... I'm going to try and bring this round to like the actual question again. Um, there was never really like... There has never been just one Christianity except in Paul's heart. Yeah. And look, for the fact that Paul was always writing to people saying, stop it, and having to travel around and like keep try to keep people in line.
1: I think it is he's the first example of one of the biggest problems with the church. And I say this as someone who grew up in it, is... That people assume that there should be one Christianity, and people are yes. so afraid of considering other people's ideas or beliefs, which is where you get that sort of really rigid, socially conservative religion. Which I don't think really tracks if you're if you're in it for the the base message, which is hey dudes, get along. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, get along. Be poor. Give all your stuff away.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes but he there everyone is at every time very keen that there should be one christianity but then everybody also has a very different idea of what that one christianity should be mm. and i'm a quite a big fan of the ones who think that there are two gods so there's like the ancient god of the old testament who is angry mm-hmm. and he's a creator god but also kind of a dickhead mm-hmm and he's related to the platonic demiurge which is a really nice word which is like a creator god but then there were there is the god of the new testament and the god of christ who is a kindly god and mm-hmm. who he goes around telling everybody to love each other and that god is more is superior to the other god but and has now replaced him like there was some kind of god battle <laughs> yeah sure which nobody ever writes about disappointingly it is a shame there was... A, so one of the guys who went around talking about this was a guy called Marcion, and there was a Gospel of Marcion. but he just kind of rewrote the Gospel of Mark a bit. Sure. Which is, like, I don't know, if you're going to go around saying there was a God battle, write, write the God, the God battle. battle.
1: Come on, don't be a coward.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, don't be, like, just add in a few extra bits of Mark. Yeah. But, like, the, that's basically what the Gnostics believe. Everyone talks about Gnostic Gospels. Mm. And that's broadly... The difference between Gnosticism and like Orthodox Catholicism or Christianity, as we would call it, which is that they just could not reconcile their ancient yeah. God of the Old Testament that they were reading about and being told about. And the one that was going like the one that just killed a lot of people and was always sending plagues. Mm-hmm. And the one that was like, I love, you. I, love you. I want you to call you to me. Um, I love you. Love each other. Everybody love each other. <laughs> uh, but they couldn't just throw away the Old Testament altogether because Jesus has spent, like one of the things he emphasized very strongly was that he was a Jew <laughs> and he kept consistently going into Jewish temples and declaring that it was his father's house. Yeah.
1: And you also can't say that, hey, maybe the people who wrote this down didn't get it all exactly right.
0: Yeah, you can't say because that. Because it's
1: the word of God. And if you if you imply that the fact that it was written by humans might, dilute or alter that Yeah, or heretical.
0: Yes. Although the notion of it being like the word of God is a bit later than the early ones. They like mm. They were all pretty clear that it was written by humans, but some of them they just consider to be more correct than others. Sure. But yeah, so they couldn't throw it out. So they had to kind of make this idea up. But And there's tons of them. So there's like the Javinians who thought that, like, fuck all you like, it's all good. Um, and there's the Gnostics and there's the Marcionites and there's like billions of other heretics. What heretics in inverted commas. But as far as the Roman Empire is concerned, all of those are Christians. Mm-hmm. And they're all going to be treated the same. Which is they're going to be martyred. Which is they're going to be ignored for a while and then they're going to cause a lot of confusion (laughs) and everyone's going to be like, I don't really know what's happening. (laughs) And then they're going to be prodded with a stick a bit to see what happens. Because the first proper, like, definitive, absolute sign of Christianity that we have in the... Like non religious texts um, is a letter of Pliny, Pliny the Younger, who was sent by the Emperor Trajan to Bithynia, which is like Turkey, um, to kind of sort out a troublesome promise, province, basically. Yeah. It was like, all corrupt and rubbish. And he he's a bit clingy and he sends letters to Trajan constantly, like keeping him in the loop with everything that happens. He's like, dear Trajan, I think you're amazing. Am I allowed to start a fire brigade? And Trajan says, no, everybody knows you're not allowed to have any groups that are larger than three people. Dear Trajan, is my wife allowed to use the imperial messenger to send letters to her friends? No. <laughs> um, and so on. Like there's, just fucking, there's an entire book of them and they're... Just unbearable because he just can't do anything by himself. But one of the things that he writes is, uh, I'll stop doing the annoying voice now. (laughs) Is he says, Right, these people keep coming to me and denouncing other people for being something called a Christian. And I don't really know what to do with that. So I got them in and asked them what was going on and they said oh we used to be christians but we're not anymore and so i tortured a couple of their slaves just to see what would happen because that's what raymond's did like if in doubt torture a slave sure. um, <laughs> so i tortured a couple of slaves and they say they do like these weird rites so they're not sacrificing to the gods anymore and it just uh, it sounds unpalatable i think he calls it decadent and disgusting or something like that i love the idea of christianity being called decadent yeah he does call it decadent and he says like i don't really know what to do with them i'm confused so i just killed them is that all right <laughs> uh, and Trained like yeah all right and then he says if i find any other ones that say like that they've given it up should i say that so should i pardon them should i say should i kill them even if they just uh, get accused of being called a christian what about children? Because I've got some kids <laughs> and basically Trajan is like, just give them a trial, see what happens. Sure. Uh, basically, reasonable. it He basically is like, try not to kill them. Like, if you mustn't, like, we, I, in an ideal world, Trajan says, you won't kill them. Mm-hmm. You'll just kind of prod them out of it. But, so you just keep asking them if they're a Christian and if they say three times that they are, then we're going to have to deal with them because this is too weird to be dealt with. So... Then Pliny writes back and is like, they are very stubborn people. <laughs> <laughs> they just... I keep saying to them, are you a Christian? Wink. And they keep saying yes. And then I say, no, really, are you, wink, a Christian? Wink. And they keep saying yes. And so then they're, they're just like, it's all, it's all a bit weird, isn't it? Like, yeah, they no, none of them like it very much Mm -hmm. and they do bless them try not to kill them for no good reason but people keep coming forth and accusing each other of being christians (laughs) and like dragging each other into court Mm -hmm. because the thing that romans really like doing and everywhere in the roman empire is um there's this law that if you accuse somebody else of a crime certain crimes and they get punished or executed or exiled then you get all their stuff um, That's a bad rule. <laughs> it's such a bad rule. Um, so if you like if you get accused of like treason or like certain religious crimes or uh, murder isn't really a crime, but certain types of thing, and then you get accused, then the accused as a reward for coming forward gets all your shit. I you know. Which is quite the incentive for just accusing each other of anything and yeah. anything like and as soon as people see each other like other people getting executed for being Christian they're like, oh shit, this is a new way that I could totally get other people's things.
1: <laughs> yeah. that's just like I can't imagine not that not occurring to them when they established that rule. Like, do you think this might lead to
0: some false accusations? Nah, nah, it's probably fine. Going off the subject slightly, but this is one of the things where when a lot of roman laws were written they were for a small group of people in the small city of rome yeah and then they expanded very fast <laughs> and never really like and uh, just really dealt with their laws in a piecemeal way after that through edicts and never really dealt with the fact that a lot of stuff go out of control <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was not good times but so the first reason why Christianity is enormously popular is because they are going around like Paul is and then like all the apostles are and then like tons of other Christians are going out and witnessing to each other and trying to convert their families and trying to convert their friends and standing in the street and trying to convert yeah. each other, which is ex- like completely unique. Like other religions in the ancient world didn't try to convert each other. Yeah. And if you did, then it was just like everything was just a bolt on. So, yeah. like, hey, you want to come and join the cult of Mithras, Janina? can. We do it on Thursday nights. Good fun. It's okay, because my other
1: religion is on Mondays.
0: Yeah, so that's cool. If you've got to do your ancestor worship on a Thursday, then maybe we'll switch it to Sunday. <laughs> like, like, it doesn't matter. Whereas Christianity is going around going, hey, you, come over here. Do you want to hear about this cool new thing? And... That works because when people tell you about stuff a lot, then it sounds kind of cool. Especially when new, it comes with,
1: as we've said, a rip roaring story.
0: It does come with a rip roaring story, like literally the son of God.
1: Yeah, he,
0: he came, came back down, from the dead.
1: He did some really nice things for people for a while, although sometimes he took his time when maybe he could have sped it up <laughs> a bit. But eventually, <laughs> he like he just... that
0: whole you no know, water into wine thing, um, yeah. is an, another Jesus is the God in human form when his mother goes oh could you turn some water into wine and he goes not now mother (laughs) i am busy (laughs) he's so grumpy i love grumpy jesus (laughs) (laughs) he's pretty good he's so much better than like pious jesus pious jesus who's like you like I don't know, I feel like he would totally get an acoustic guitar and sing Alleluia at you or something. It'd be a bit weird for him to sing Alleluia. I guess, but, you know, that kind of song. He'd sing the, I don't know, the first century PC version of <laughs> Alleluia. Um, I'm sure... Will you listen to all those songs when we did the episode with Anna? Um, it'll be one of those, but... soulful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and the other thing is that they very specifically, partly because jesus told them to went for people who were not getting much out of the status quo so slaves and women and the poor and said to them there is a better life available and this guy stands for you. And yeah. this and is... And even
1: if you don't actually get to have a better life, you get to go to heaven just for saying that you're on his team.
0: Yeah, like you can be resurrected and you will be born again in heaven and everything is going to be amazing. And also, for the first like 200 years of Christianity, when it was still pretty small they, well, 150, 200 years, they were saying that Jesus is coming back any day. So for like four or five generations, they were expecting the second coming of Christ and then like resurrection any minute. So you were like, and that sounds super exciting. And this is how like a lot of evangelical and super hardcore fundamentalist weirdo groups still kind of act like the the left behind thing. Yeah, the uh, rapture. Thank you. The rapture. <laughs> it's coming any minute um, yeah. and you have to be constantly prepared and it might happen tomorrow and it might happen the day after, but it's definitely coming anytime soon. And say so for like 200 years, it was quite an exciting, like, be ready, be ready, be ready. Yeah, um, which it, seems
1: a lot more reasonable when it's only 200 years since actual Jesus was around.
0: Yeah, it's that that does start to wear off. Yeah. After about 150 years when it still isn't happening. And they realize that they've got lots of young, sexy people who are getting married and they've got lots of like married couples and people having children in the church and they have no theology to deal with. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is where you then get like the Deuteropauline letters, which were like, maybe marriage is okay under some circumstances. <laughs> and that's what my master's degree was on, like the point at which in the second, third century, they had to start thinking of a way to make all of the stuff that they had put together work for married people <laughs> <laughs> and having babies and how do you work that out but yeah so for, but for the beginning you know it's quite exciting and you're going to people to so slaves of which there are a huge number like mm. in the city of rome i think i've said this before they at one point somebody proposed having slaves wear a special item of clothing so you would know who was a slave and it was vetoed because people realized that if you if all of the slaves knew how many of them there were they would realize how much they outnumbered Romans Mm -hmm. Uh, and the Romans wouldn't stand a chance so like that's an enormous number of people that you can yeah who have got shit lives right now like there's no point uh, which being in slavery is good or pleasing and or great in any way.
1: And this is the thing about Christianity that has been a great recruitment tactic throughout <laughs> history um, because it is like Jesus came for the poor and downtrodden. So yeah. inherently written into the text of this religion is a sympathy for the oppressed yeah. and for the suffering, for those who are suffering. Um, and that obviously there are cases even today of that being used in really vicious ways like you hear stories about super manipulative tactics like oh you're um you're uh, addicted to something we'll help you will help you break free of that addiction but you have to convert and yeah. that kind of thing which is antithetical to the message really but it's it's still a recruitment uh, yeah. tactic yeah and, and it's early... really interesting when you think about because obviously there was a boom in Christianity in the first i guess the early centuries after jesus was crucified but there's also another boom which is caused by colonialism yeah where on the one hand the idea of preaching to the rest of the world and bringing the good news to the end of the earth as jesus commanded was used as a justification for it um often so like i'm sure there were some missionaries who were in earnest and believed that they were doing yeah, something good they but definitely uh, there were. definitely were some who were absolutely getting their hands in the slave trade and that kind of thing yeah but what in effect happened is that europeans bringing this on the you know as one of their excuses bringing the word of god oppressed a whole bunch of people all over the world and then gave them the god of the oppressed to deal with it which is how we get even today like there's such a massive culture in african-american traditions of passionate. Uh, Worship there is in Polynesian communities as well like the in New Zealand definitely I think religion is kind of a pocket thing for most for for white people but it's a central part of the community for a lot of Polynesian people Um, and that's probably because I haven't done deep studies into the psychology behind it but it's because it is a religion for the oppressed and we oppressed everyone
0: it promises betterment in the future Like if things might suck right yeah. now But it'll be better Like your bodily life Doesn't matter as much as your spiritual life And as you can make your spiritual life pure Then you can yeah. go to heaven and you will have An eternal, beautiful, perfect Spiritual life in the God In God's but also love Also
1: in that um, you might be suffering on earth And, and you might may, You might fi- may find no comfort And no one who cares on earth But God cares about you There yeah. is someone Actively Invested in you And who is Who experiences pain At your suffering
0: Yeah exactly is, Yeah And that was very much In the early church An approach that was used And they They Christianity was really the only religion that gave slaves an equal participation that said to them, you can participate at every level and you can participate in both the taking and the giving of the Eucharist and the rest. And early popes were slaves, were born into slavery. And that you know, it gave slaves something that no other religion and no other structure in the Raymond world was giving them which was a freedom essentially even if they were still within slavery it was giving them something and in the same way it gave women a way to participate as well that participation was greatly crushed very quickly (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it did give something to women and it gave them a certain amount of A certain amount of power that they didn't necessarily have, like the experience of women in the ancient world is extremely diverse, but legally they had almost no freedom. The experience of freedom is very different, but legally they would have to jump through hoops to get shit, even if they could get it eventually. And this gave them a way to control stuff, basically. And there's lots of stories of women kind of taking control in their marriages and saying, I'm not having sex anymore. Uh, Or I'm going, I'm not getting married. I'm going to have a consecrate. I'm going to consecrate myself as a virgin. Or I'm going to run away with... Uh, this guy I met who says that he's a preacher (laughs) Um, (laughs) and we're running away together. His name is Paul. He's real nice. And their parents are like, uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Because it sounds suspicious as hell. And they're like, no, mummy, we're not fucking. We're in fact (laughs) anti-fucking. There's actually some really good stories like that. There's one with a woman who converts to Christianity. I can't remember which apocryphal gospel it's in now. I want to say Andrew, but she convert she hears at whichever one of the apostles it is and she converts and then she's like well I can never have sex again with my husband or my husband won't convert I've had a bash so she tricks him by getting one of her slaves to have sex with him instead uh, <laughs> and so whenever like they're obviously have a separate bedroom so she's just like makes him turn out all the lights and then sends on this other girl instead and then whichever apostle is is like You can't do that. You can't. (laughs) That's not better. (laughs) Like you can't just. Some would say it's worse. Yeah. Like you can't just throw some poor woman, and like like this is this is not good. Stop it. And she's like, "Huh? I really thought this was a good plan." (laughs) And it's very funny. But there's like there's loads of those stories of like women you know, seizing some kind of control and mm. taking off. And if you were a woman who didn't want to get married, or if you were a woman who just wanted to do something a bit different, or even if, if you were the kind of person who just liked to rebel against what was expected of you, like had some kind of terrible rebellious streak, then this was a great way to do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it did offer, a, you know, something a bit different from the plan of marrying well and maintaining your family for the rest of your life and then passing that on to your children and yeah being a cog in an end a cog a link in an endless chain that went back hundreds of years and would go for your future hundreds of years like it gave you a way to be like haha I'm different and exciting although there's a super great bit in much later Christianity, so there's a letter of Augustine and there's this anonymous tract called the Ad Gregoria, or the Two Gregoria, which are both women who have stopped having sex with their husbands um, and claim that they're doing it in order to be like better Christians. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of trying to... They have then writing to their bishops, so one is Augustine, one is this guy who may or may not be called John, saying... I've done this. Look how good I am. Praise me, praise me. But this is much later. It is a point at which they had stopped thinking that that was a good idea and they'd gone (laughs) right off sexless marriages. So sexless marriages were really good for like, Two or three hundred years, and then by the time you get to like Augustine and after, and no one is into sexless marriages, it's really bad. Um, and they write these I can furious... understand that. To me, you're thinking. <laughs> they write these furious letters back, going, How dare you think you could go against the will of God who has put you in a marriage? And marriage is a blessed institution, and you have to, you know, give yourself to your husband because the husband is the head of the women, blah blah. <laughs> and you can just imagine them being like, Oh. <laughs> this sucks I thought I was doing
1: something really gay <laughs> Especially since I suspect they also just maybe Didn't like their husbands
0: Probably, Possibly they just didn't want to bang their husbands Which is, you completely know reasonable. Completely reasonable reasonable. Nobody really got to pick But but yeah, like they did this specific. I'm not going to say specifically targeted But they 100% specifically targeted People who would Who the message would speak to a lot more easily Than it would speak to The straight white man of the Roman world
1: sure who had a lot more to lose from
0: yeah exactly who you know were benefiting entirely from the system and had no desire to be fucking with the system that was built for them
1: it's ironic how much those positions have reversed
0: (laughs) isn't it just and then the other thing is that you don't when we look back at early christianity we tend to see lots of long quite dense arguments between bishops who are the straight white men of the Christian world, who are standing around having super dense arguments about what exactly does it mean when we use this specific word and talking super in-depth about the nature of the Trinity or whether the Trinity is really a thing. And But that's not what you're telling converts. Like You're not rolling up to converts going, so, there's a God. He's yeah. one and three at the same time. He's both man and God at the same time. And also, there's a spirit bit. And, um, <laughs> like, you don't. That's not bit that you start with. <laughs> no. You start with, there's one God and he loves you. Uh, yeah, and then you work then up. You do. And there is that bit in Paul where he says, like, I. I'm giving you the milk, not solid food, because you're not ready for solid food yet. You're, we're giving you the, the easy bit, and then you can work your way up to the chewy bits. Yeah. We've got to take things slowly. It's baby
1: steps. You can't handle yeah. theological
0: debate just yet. And I think that a lot of people who look at the ancient world like look at these, like a super complex idea and the super complexity of what the church is now, and think how could you be a person and look at this and go I want that but that's not what it was it was like community churches and house churches and people saying there is a God and he loves you and that's it <laughs> yeah and built if you wanted to get involved in the rest of it and start arguing about I don't know what God thinks about women or what God thinks about the human body or what God yeah, thinks I mean- about the Trinity, then, and they this is all the best stuff as far as I'm concerned. Like, I love it when they get into the, like, the real nitty-gritty stuff. Like, when they start arguing about the Song of Songs. Love it. <laughs> well, I'll read an exegesis of the Song of Songs all day, every day.
1: Well, Song of Songs is amazing. Everything about it, everything that it touches is incredible. It is.
0: And the way that, like, second and third century Christians tried to handle it. Yeah. Well, like, they there's just, this book in the Bible that's just full on horn dogs. It's doing? just yeah, it's just sex, and we just keep and it's like enjoying sex and talking about sex as though it's this wonderful thing, and so they ha- they try and talk around it and they're like it's not, it's an allegory. It's actually about the church and Christ. <laughs> Or about the soul and Christ, it's not yeah. banging, it's because spiritual banging. What is a normal
1: thing to say about the soul of Christ, or for that matter, a woman, is your hair is like goats coming down from Mount Gilead. <laughs> <laughs> your
0: your neck is like a marble tower, is always my favourite.
1: It's <laughs> very oh,
0: good. The, it's not actually in... There is a bit where he talks about teeth, and I always think of it as that mighty boosh bit where he says your teeth are like little nuggets of cream. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that, but it's
1: really similar. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: if, you, if any of you have not read Song of Solomon or Slash Song of Songs, uh, do it. It's great. It's a fun time. It is. It's kind of hot. People read it at weddings a lot because it's super hot It's all hot about now. fucking. Like, it's a whole book of the Bible devoted to sex. I don't know Yeah. who would not want that.
0: Yeah, and it's lovely. It's lovely. And it does have a lot of things like your hair is like goats and towers and things, which you're like, well, that's nice.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but then it's also got like, that's, I'm pretty sure, I'm going to show my... Ignorance now, but like, I'm pretty sure that's where you get the line, I am my beloved's and he is mine, which is like,
0: yeah, it is fucking beautiful. It is lovely. There's lots of nice lines in it. Um, there's a reason it gets read at weddings or lot. There is that and that bit of Romans, which is a, a bit weirder, but because I was definitely talking about God, but sure. And Galatians, that's a big old uh, yeah. weddings. So then, once people start converting. After about 100, 150 ish years, that's when people start getting killed. It is like one. When's Pliny? Pliny's like 110 ish just before that, about 100. And after that is when the persecutions really ramp up. They ramp up Mm -hmm. hard under Marcus Aurelius. And people are very nice to Marcus Aurelius because he didn't really wasn't like a top-down thing, if you know what I mean. Uh, it was more of a lots and lots of people are complaining about this and informing upon each other and we have to do something. Mm-hmm. And that's when you start getting hundreds of people at once being tried. And there's a massacre at Leon, which is a really big deal, in 144, where loads of people die in the arena all at the same time, which is nasty. It's really not great. But... This is to be honest, really good PR. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in everyone a weird loves kind someone. of way. R- yes, because one set, like dying for a cause. I mean, it looks baffling, but it is a really good way of getting making sure that people know what is happening. And then those stories are really they're good stories, like that and when you're told them, you're like, "Ooh." And yeah. a lot of them are like 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 the Romans are very obviously the bad guys because they're torturing people and you're torturing primarily young, innocent people. Mm -hmm. Like lots of young, innocent women who are given the strength through God to stand up for themselves and to suffer through all of these terrible things. Like St. Euphemia is a really early one who is broken on the wheel. So put on a wheel and then lashed until she breaks. But then she is like god protects her and then she is thrown into a fire but god protects her from that as well and then she is s- chucked into the arena to be eaten by a lion or mauled by a lion and the lion just licks her and eventually she gets eaten by something that i now can't remember or or quite a good one is per- Saint perpetua and felicity who are amazing and they have all these dreams and stuff um, and there's some miraculous baby stuff going on mm-hmm. i've got a, where- a miracle baby yeah so has just had a baby and they take the baby away from her when she's in prison and then they try to use the baby and her husband to be like don't leave them like they need you in the court like just say you're not a christian anymore mm-hmm. and we'll let this go and you can go home and be with your husband and child and she's like no i'm a christian and then god miraculously makes her um breast milk dry up so that she does not have aching boobs anymore that is so, like, God is a woman, you know? <laughs> no, um, God wouldn't think of that. It was true. Um, and then she is in there with uh, Felicity or Felicitas, who is a slave girl and who is eight months pregnant. And then so that the baby doesn't have to suffer, God makes her go into early labor. Um, and then she gives the baby away. And then they are both thrown into the arena with an angry cow.
1: Which I <laughs> oh, thought delightful.
0: Like the the of de Rufetcher of is quite long. It's a North African one and it's like and there's a whole bunch of stuff which I've cut out. Like there's this whole bit which has a dream about climbing a ladder and the dead brother and like there's loads of stuff. And then then it kind it of ends with them being, being thrown in with this angry cow <laughs> and you're like <laughs> uh, <laughs> But Probably not a great way to die. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, probably Um, fair. I,
1: I do not want to be trampled myself.
0: Yeah, but it's like, it's a good, like, they're all really good stories. And you're like, oh my goodness, like so much drama. And people being exposed. And a lot of them involve women being like cast naked into the streets for everyone to look at, which is a bit titillating. Mm hmm. Or women being cast into the arena naked for everyone to look at Or people being cast out of the houses naked for everyone to look at Or just somehow getting nude Sure A, l- a lot of boobs, to be honest They're quite sexy in a weird yeah, sort of way Yeah,
1: they've been made sexy in retrospect I Yeah think. All of, the, all of art, the art of saints and martyrs And when, when there's a hint of nudity in the story The art goes a little bit buck wild with it
0: it's true. I I think of them as, like, the ancient version or the ancient Christian version of, like, in the same way that a dead woman or a raped woman is kind of entertainment to a certain mm-hmm. degree. I don't know. Like, you can't really pick up a book in a crime section without it opening with a long description of a dead woman um, yeah. who is usually naked. <laughs> but I think there's also
1: something in the romanticization of young women who... Die
0: or suffer tragedy? Yeah, there absolutely is. Like them, the most innocent. We
1: we like to romanticize these stuff, these things that in real life are just grim, yeah, and awful. And I think that's that's where the sexy martyr comes from. I
0: think. Yeah, and it, you know, and it is there from the beginning. Like the yeah. young, the young woman who stands up for it and then gets tortured and murdered is like the the poster child for early christianity yeah and they are they are the most successful recruiting tool actually that's not true there are two further more successful recruiting tools one is when the third century crisis hit and uh, some emperors like diocletian thought that it would be a good idea to reaffirm everybody's belief in the Roman gods that had built the Roman Empire because mm-hmm. they thought that the third century crisis, you get, like, 30 emperors in 50 years and they're just stabbing each other constantly. There's lots of war and the economy falls off a cliff and there's massive inflation and everything is kind of going to shit for 50 years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's when they let, like, any old child be emperor and there's times when there's, like, three <laughs> people who are claiming that they're emperor and mm-hmm. no one gets on for longer than about 20 minutes one of them gets hit by lightning it's crazy (laughs) and it's bad times and so diocletian comes in and he puts it kind of puts it all back together again with force of will And he says, look, one of the reasons this is happening is because people aren't believing in the gods anymore. So you need everybody to sacrifice to the Roman gods and to sign a piece of paper to say they have done it. Mm -hmm. Um, And they do go through this a few times because every time it happens, Christians go, no, (laughs) no. That's heresy, that's blasphemy, I'm not going to do it. And then they have to kill a load of Christians. Mm -hmm. And this has two effects. One, it makes sure that literally every single person in the empire knows what Christianity is because they've had to sign a piece of paper saying they're not a Christian. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, regardless of anything else, if you'd not even heard of it, like if there was some weird religion that was happening somewhere in Britain and Theresa May thought that it was bad times. And so she made all of us go out and sign a piece of paper saying that we weren't, I don't know, notebookism. And you'd be <laughs> like, i right, to give this notebookism a wee Google. <laughs> and yeah. e- even 5% of the people who gave it a wee Google or looked it up or went, Oi, Janina, what's this? Then decided to get involved, then that's a huge proportion of like (laughs) number of people. And like the awareness raising that he gave the Christianity (laughs) was significant. And you know, as a lot of the time, you know, awareness raising awareness is half the battle.
1: It is, you do have need to have people know what your religion is to get them to,
0: yeah, or you know. No matter what you're selling, whether you're selling books or podcasts or whatever, you just need, you need a certain number, you need everyone to know about it. And then a proportion of that will look it up. And then another proportion of that will go, I want that mattress or whatever. Yep. And, you know, that's great for you. And then a little bit after that, in 313, the emperor became a Christian. Mm
1: hmm. Which is even better. That really helps matters, I think. It because did because when you
0: own half the world, it's pretty easy to get them to do what you want. It is. That was after another fifty years of wars, because Diocletian's other pro- other great plan, which was also backfired on him terribly, was to start the tetrarchy, which was to split the empire in half and have an emperor in each side: so an emperor in the east and an emperor in the west. Uh-huh. And then to give each of those a deputy Emperor, so you've got two Augustuses and two Caesars Which he thought was brilliant As a way to spread The power, like not have One figurehead who could get murdered And then he retired to his cabbages And then died peacefully <laughs> And everyone was waiting until he died And the second he was on that pyre They were just like, right, so now there's Four positions to go for, go for it uh, <laughs> And <laughs> It just everything went to shit Um, until Constantine came out and just brutally murdered everybody, Um, and then said that the reason that he had won was because he had seen a vision of a cross and had painted a cross on his thing, and that's why he won the final battle of Milvern Bridge. But he he's really interesting because he does this, he sees this vision, and then or he says he sees this vision, and then he converts or if he starts practicing Christianity, he doesn't really have like a formal conversion until his deathbed. But he he practices Christianity and he is very interested in Christianity and he legal, makes le- it legal so there's no more formal persecutions. And he gets together the first ever ecumenical council at Nicaea. So we get the Nicene Creed from. But it's very clear just from that that he doesn't really know what he's converted to. <laughs> <laughs> like, because he, he basically gets nicaea is about the trinity it's like that's his main thing like what Mm -hmm. is christ basically is he god is he human is he god and human what is god and it's the big fight between what is now catholicism and the trinity that god the holy spirit and jesus are of one Mm -hmm. they are consubstantial and arianism which says that god and jesus are separate that jesus still has Godliness, but that he is not the same as God, and it gets so heated that Father Christmas punched Arian in the face, which is great um, and obviously <laughs> the best story ever. Ho ho ho! Merry Christmas! Because I do. That's Saint Nicholas, who was a bishop, and <laughs> uh, he um, he got so mad that he punched Arian in the face, uh, and I... that I do. Really feel like we
1: have shortchanged Saint Nicholas <laughs> by remembering him as some jolly present giver instead of someone who punched someone in the face over a theological debate.
0: Yeah, well, the whole thing with his as the present giver is that he, there's three sisters and their father died and they were left destitute, so he would leave them presents and money so that they wouldn't have to go into prostitution. Mm-hmm. Handy yeah so that's where that comes from um but yeah he got super mad at arian because arian was apparently quite belligerent and polished him <laughs> in the face <laughs> amazing and basically constantine kind of oversaw the whole thing and he's just there going so tell me again about like i'm basically picking a side here <laughs> um tell me again about this trinity thing and we will I'm, I'm getting my head around it. And it's very clear that he had converted to the idea of like this God that's going to protect him without having any idea of the theology of the situation. <laughs> and then, obviously, the Trinity wins. Arianism sticks around for ages. Jehovah's Witnesses are Arians, technically. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. I had a lecture in university who was an Arian. It was great. <laughs> Everyone thinks they died out, but no, still hanging around.
1: Yeah. Every, everything does hang around, just in smaller, quieter numbers then. It's
0: true. You don't see it. They don't tend to get punched in the face by Bishop anymore, which is... No. Good and bad, I guess. It is, yeah. It is very good, but also kind of a shame. But yeah, and Constantine then, like, he allows it the space to be legal after it has had a massive amount of signal boosting and then gives it, like, the official seal of approval, basically. And then he can build churches and talk to people about it on a grand scale Mm -hmm. and honestly people follow their leaders to a large extent and this is like the explosion in terms of numbers people tend to say that like maybe five percent of the empire was christian before constantine and then it explodes in the hundred years after christian constantine to maybe 50 Mm percent. and it's like his conversion and his signal boosting and his kind of seal of sexiness is what what makes it okay for everybody to come out and say i can can get involved in this and in the same way (laughs) that once you have a powerful figurehead and the most powerful figurehead people will get involved out of self-interest as well yeah and some of those will be legitimate conversions and some of those will be trying to get in with constantine or with a a christian emperor or even to
1: protect yourselves because as we have seen believing the wrong thing when the wrong person is in power is not a great way to stay alive.
0: Yeah, uh, it's true. There's this book that just came out, which is causing a massive fuss amongst like late antiquity people and early medievalists called The Darkening Age by Catherine Nixie. Uh, and it's basically this massive polemic against Christianity, against early Christianity, because what a lot of them did do is once they had some like semblance of Power is they kind of went a bit not full dark, no stars, but they started kind of destroying things. So they destroyed temples um, and they destroyed statues. And the front cover of the hardback, anyway, was the front cover of the paperback, super pretty, was a statue, a classical Roman statue with a cross carved in its head. Uh. And they did things like that and they destroyed mosaics and they smashed up statuary and like and or uh, if they thought that they were too pretty they put leaves over the genitals <laughs> <laughs> but you know or they just smashed off their dicks but they were and a, like a large reason why the colosseum was in such a bad state is cuz they kind of used it as a mine for a while and just lopped off bits of marble and stuff and used yeah. it to and they melted down statues to build St. Peter's and things like that and it's quite, it's quite, it's an entertaining polemic, if uh, if you like that kind of thing. It's quite good fun. And it's got loads of good stories of like Christians on the rampage, which is <laughs> like the, it opens with Christians like bursting into a temple and pushing over statues and they get a bit of revenge, essentially. It's kind of also easier to
1: read when it's ancient Christians rather than, you know, Queen Mary.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's the thing with religions; they do like destroying one another. They
1: really like destroying what the other ones have built. And it's not great.
0: No. Constantine gives it this boost of... There is a saying in when you're talking about like the conversion of the empire these days, which is that it was very gradual until it was sudden. And that point of Constantine's rule is the point at which it becomes sudden. It was... For the majority of the time until the empire kind of went Christian in the kind of fourth, fifth century, it's just exponential growth. It's just like yeah. constantly telling people about it. And then it's like almost like a pyramid scheme. Like I get, I tell one person, I tell two people, those people tell two people, yeah. those people tell two people, and it's going to grow regardless. Like that's how yeah. Scientology works. That's how. I walk past the Jehovah's Witnesses every day. Like, it's, it's how, how fucking viral tweet works. Yeah, exactly. Like, as soon as it just is exponential growth. Um, yeah, and then there'll be there key is, points
1: where there's someone who picks it up who is more influential than most and they spread it exactly. a little bit more than you normally would, but it's still part of this step kind of
0: normal. Exactly. Thing. And the he is like, Constantine is like the. Chrissy Teigen of the, <laughs> <laughs> of early Christianity. So like basically he, it's like he retweets, uh, retweets
1: Christianity in it and it yeah. goes
0: viral yeah and basically it,
1: write an article about it and so a yeah. bunch more people
0: see it and then a bunch more people retweet it and then it's in that person's mentions for the next 10 years yeah like like the four eels tweet which i will retweet every time i cross across my timeline <laughs> and must you be turned, like you have to retweet the four eels and driving that person i assume that, pers- that they muted it a long long time ago but <laughs> i hope so but that's basically what it is it's like it's well, an interesting thing that I read, there's a good book that's recently out, which is by Bart Ehrman, and it is it's called The Triumph of Christianity, which I find, I think, is deliberately sinister, because obviously it's a, it seems to be a reference to the triumph of the will. Mm-hmm. And it, Bart Ehrman is, and he was brought up in a very fundamentalist southern church, and then became a, a Bible scholar. And then has moved very far away from from fundamentalist beliefs and has written a lot about how fundamentalism is bad for Christianity, Mm -hmm. basically. So I do think that it's supposed to be slightly sinister, but it's a really good summary of a, a lot of the scholarship on early Christianity. And yeah, and he says that Mormonism, the first 100 years of growth of Mormonism is very similar to the first 100 years of growth of Christianity like and you from the perspective yeah. that we're at now, you wouldn't say, Oh my god, Mormonism is winning, Mormonism is taking yeah. over the world. Mormonism is like this triumphant religion. It's like they're super doing niche. really well, they're growing and yeah. they they're always <laughs> always down on the the Dublin Road and Belfast coming up to you and being super adorable. <laughs> but they like, they'll have a wee chat, and I always chat to them because they're lovely. And then they go, would you like to learn about more about Mormonism? And I go, no, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, they wouldn't do it if it didn't work some of the time. And, you know, they're going to keep growing. And maybe one day Mormonism will have, I don't know, they nearly got a president in Mitt Romney. Yeah. Maybe they will have their Chrissy Teigen or uh, I don't know who's famous on Twitter. I'm having a complete blank. Ariane grande or something she's got yeah. like five million followers like there will be somebody who converts who like makes it cool and cool. then yeah. everybody will convert but the thing i think that you have to think about is that we're looking at this from the perspective of a it's a long time ago and we're going oh just within 300 years it became legal <laughs> yeah and then a little bit after that it became like the dominant religion like 200 years after that god the blink of an eye <laughs> but if, that's 500 years and from the perspective say 300 years is like 10 generations that's 10 generations of people who lived lives where the Religion that they had was a, pretty much illegal and was small and they were punished for it or ostracized for it where they could be mm-hmm. informed on at any point, where they could be executed for whatever the weird crime is that they could be executed. There's long arguments about what they're actually being executed for, where they could be sent into slavery, like when we did the anti-popes. Do you remember we did anti-popes and the pope and the anti-pope both got sent into slavery together and had to make it up (laughs) after they had been fighting in the streets. Mm -hmm. Like furious infighting where it probably felt like it was quite miserable all the time. Like loads of letters backwards and forwards arguing about the perpetual virginity of Mary if you were in the elite class or whether women were the gateway to hell or... (laughs) Like these, or what the hell the Song of Songs is about, or whether yeah, what exactly is the right theology about marriage? And at every level, it was kind of shit to be a Christian for three hundred years, and for the live the lifespan. So say you live for sixty five years, and you're a Christian for that whole sixty five years. Like that whole sixty five years was probably pretty crap. Yeah, and you had no way of knowing. Whether it was going to get better or that it was growing or that in 2000 years, we would be like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, it doesn't look like that from the ground. And it actually takes a, a long time in terms of human lifespan for it to, to get anywhere that you could be called winning. <laughs> yeah, It always feels a bit weird for me to say... Oh, well, I mean, I will say Christianity won Because they 100% wanted to win Like this is what they were going for <laughs> It was, yep This is what Paul wanted At every minute of every day After he converted That's a big it, thing in. <laughs>
1: it comes up in New Zealand In church services sometimes Because the, the words that drove the religion To be so adamant about Spreading the gospel and converting It says to the edges of the earth So New Zealand Christians Sometimes get a bit of a a big head over being the <laughs> first country away from anything else because we're like we are the edge of the earth that God was
0: supposed to come to um, finally got here guys <laughs> <laughs> oh that's uh, that's taking pride in something weird isn't it <laughs> that's grasping
1: <laughs> we've got to we're a very small country we don't have a lot
0: on wow I mean, good for, good for amazing <laughs> <laughs> Uh That's very sweet. I feel, that's the most patronizing thing I can say, but I think that's great. I Just be like, yes, like the edge I'm of like, the earth.
1: <laughs> I've been in church services where the worship leader is like, Jesus wanted his word to spread. We are there. <laughs> and it's like, this is adorable.
0: <laughs> amazing. Oh, that's pleased me. Mm, oh. I'm glad. Yeah. That's basically all I've got on it. I mean, I've got I can sit here and talk about the other bits for ages, but that's the main answer to the question. The question answer is Christianity won because it was the only people trying to win. Um, For the vast majority of time that Christianity was fighting, nobody knew they were in a fight with them.
1: (laughs) Well, so I think you know the reason it's considered to have won today, two thousand years later, isn't just because of what happened then. Yeah. it's a, it's a coincidental string of events that includes the fact that the Roman Empire conquered a huge percentage of the world and that the Catholic Church became powerful in the West and that the West then dominated the whole fucking rest of the world. It's, um, yeah, it's It
0: yeah. didn't
1: win for any good reasons. It won because we're <laughs> brutal people who kept killing each other.
0: It's true. It won because it was the only people evangelizing. Him and trying to convert people properly. And it was the only people who were trying to do that within the the structure of the Roman Empire and well-run empires that are primarily set up for moving things around them, move religions around them really well, mm. which is good for them. <laughs> because, you know, if Paul couldn't move his letters around as easily as he could and as safely as he could, then he wouldn't have been as successful so that's useful. And you see the same thing with um like the spread of Buddhism along the Silk Road, for example. Yeah. Is is essentially the same thing. And then it won because people kept giving it signal boosts <laughs> <laughs> completely accidentally, which but that was useful for them. But yeah, I mean, it was a tough life being an early Christian, I suspect, but they did a good job. Uh, some yes. of them are <laughs> shitheads, but <laughs> Tertullian, Big fan of Tertullian. He was the fucking worst. I love him. What Here. did he do? So he was... He wrote a lot of apologies and a lot of tracts in the third century. And he did... He's the one who said that women are the gateway to hell. Sure, of course we are. Because Eve was the per- like, obviously brought evil into the world. Sure. And then wrote a whole thing about how women should be mourning or, like performing penitence all the time so they should be wearing sackcloth and putting ash in their hair in order to more like mourn and apologize for what they what Eve did and then he wrote this really amazing thing to his wife which' like married oh yeah <laughs> basically saying if I die you're not allowed to get married again uh, <laughs> and then published it so he's super fun he's he's, the, he's an angry misogynist but I he's mean- like, so over... Do you remember when I used to run that Red Pill Man blog? I do, I do. Um, it was basically... a beautiful and horrifying thing. <laughs> my is uh, my fascination with Tertullian is very similar for my fascination with him because he's, he's so over the top. Like, he's not... He doesn't try to pull any punches. He's just like, I fucking hate women. <laughs> <laughs> and here is my extremely lengthy tract about how i'm trying to turn this into theology and there's loads of stuff about the perpetual virginity of mary that he wrote about and things um and whether women should be veiled yeah he's he's great fun in a kind of terrible way yeah fuck that Um, guy yeah i like the ones that are super extreme and a bit ludicrous so i also really like jerome who like just wrote loads of creepy letters to women all the time he's always like he wrote a really good letter to the daughter of this... He had a group of women in Rome that he like was teaching the Bible. Mm-hmm. And one of them was called Paula. And he kind of convinced her to make all of her children con- um, turn her daughters into consecrated virgins. And then when one of her daughters became a consecrated virgin, he wrote the daughter a letter that's like and on this evening your husband Christ is looking through the window and watching you undress and he's going to come into your bedroom and you can rest your head on his chest and he will stroke your hair and he will lie in bed and you're just like oh my god Jerome that is the most disturbing thing I've ever heard oh my god she's 13 get laid <laughs> it's fine he's uh, one of the fathers of the church
1: great good good
0: going yeah, um, he translated the Vulgate, so he basically wrote the Latin Bible. Well, well, good for him. A big creepy of old weirdo. Do you think that answered the question? I think it did. I think it did. Yeah, Christianity was just different to everything else, and so that was yeah. good in a way. Yeah. Next episode, mm. Oliver is away again, and we're too lazy to edit our own things, so. <laughs> We're going to do short answers episodes. So short questions that we can do in like two minutes. So
1: we've got so a few already from ones yes. that people have asked. But so, yeah, tweet at um, us more.
0: Tweet us, email us, send us things like quick questions and we will answer them. And then you will get some unedited fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's it. We should give addresses that you can email and tweet us at. We should. It's at Sexy History Pod on Twitter. Mm -hmm. and it is sexyhistorypod at gmail.com and we are sexyhistorypod without the e on facebook because facebook is a prude (laughs) because facebook is super prudy and other than that you can leave us reviews places on itunes and the like we like that or just it's very good Tweet us, tell us you like us, we like that. Somebody wrote us such a nice review. Oh, they did. That was so lovely. And my phone has died, so I can't check what their name is. But Mm -hmm. that was so lovely. And if you go to our Twitter, you can see that review that's super nice about us.
1: It's really, really
0: nice. doesn't at any point mention that during the last episode, I have my microphone backwards, (laughs) which is very kind. (laughs) I spent the whole of the recording of the last episode going, there's such a weird noise in my microphone could nobody else hear this turns out that it was because my microphone was actually just recording my laptop and not me <laughs> which is why I sounded like I was in a cave. yeah and I am at nuclear teeth and I am at j9 and if and Oliver is at Kiwa and I think
1: that's it I think that is bye Janina bye Emma bye.